All right, all right, y'all. Super excited about this episode. We've got an Air Force uh, aviation tech coming up sharing his story. And it, it was just great to hear, man, because I mean, so phenomenal in how you take a moment, right, where you realize that your job security here in the military isn't always so secure, right? There are some issues that come up, uh, but, you know, not to let that dispel you, to go and find an avenue such as real estate, right, that can help you transition and help you build the security that you need for your family. He's got a phenomenal story. I cannot wait to get into it, Kev. What did you think, man? Yeah, I love this one. Um, I mean, there's not much to say besides uh, 20 units to 120 units in a little over a year. I mean, that, yeah, like that, that right there is awesome. And yeah. I mean, just listen up because there's some really awesome tips in here, not just about how to scale, which is obvious, but also how to build partnerships and yep. values yep. and combining all of these things. And guys, he's an enlisted, he's like an E6, E7, right? Like, E6. E6. He's, E6. he's an yeah. E6. So yep. Vince is an E6. So if you're out there and you're thinking, and he started when he was an E4. So if you're thinking that you you don't deserve this because you're you're you know an A1C or a, a private or you know whatever it is in the whatever, navy, right? Uh, yeah, see me. <laughs> yes, yeah. Like if you no, but Got for real, it. if you can't if you can't if you think that you can't do it, you're wrong. You can, and it's just about educating yourself. And it's just about Absolutely. starting. So listen up because this one's awesome. Hey, Freedom Fighters, welcome to the Active Duty Passive Income Podcast, the only place where military members, veterans, and their families learn how to build wealth through real estate investing. I'm your host, Mike Foster, and I'm here to show you how to stop wasting your benefits. Now get off your ass, step up to the firing line, and make ready for today's lesson. Shooter, stand by. When I first started in real estate investing, I was completely terrified of making that one huge mistake. In fact, I walked on eggshells, overanalyzed everything, and pretty much paralyzed myself for months simply out of fear. Are these numbers okay? Will it cash flow? What if a tenant destroys my property? What if someone sues me and takes all my stuff? I knew real estate was my path to financial independence, but I was saddled with a pretty bad case of the what ifs. Turns out what I really needed was a mentor to guide me, someone to bounce ideas off of, double check my numbers, help me build my local team, and provide me sound and sage advice when I felt stuck. Introducing ADPI's Operation Adam, the action takers only mastermind. For less than $15 a month, you'll get access to a private network of fellow action takers kicking ass in real estate, plus exclusive 24-7 coaching from both me and Mike Foster. You'll also receive programmed accountability through ADPI's 30-Day Hero Facebook Live Challenge, hours of bonus content, including Coffee with Kevin training seminars, weekly live Q&As broadcast direct to you, free webinar replay, and unlimited access to our new house hacking calculator. You better act fast, y'all, because if you purchase ADPI's flagship 37-lesson Military Real Estate Investing Academy today, you'll get one month of Operation Adam free. Still feeling stuck? Kick your fears to the curb and join the movement of action takers now. Check out the link in this episode's show notes or text DEAL to 33777 to get started. All right, y'all, that's enough chatter for now. 
Let's get fired up for today's episode. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Active Duty Passive Income Podcast. We are here again with another awesome military member, and we're so excited to uh, share Vince's story. Vince, what's going on, brother? How you doing? Hey, Mike, how's it going? I need, I need to uh, borrow some of that energy this weekend. From- <laughs> Dude, it's yours, man. Come on. I'm trying to send it your way, bro. Let's yeah. go. Let's go. Absolutely. I need, I need to feed off of it a little bit. <laughs> hey, for, for those of you who don't know, Vince Gettings here, he is an Air Force uh, active duty member and Ooh, super yeah. uh, excited. He is a passionate multifamily investor. He's out there crushing it. I've had the fortunate ability to have lunch with him uh, out here in Hawaii. And, uh, and we're going to get into a little bit about his story. But first, Kev, what's going on, man? What's happening in the community? What's happening uh, with you? Not much, man. Lo- okay, lots of things happening in the community, as always. You know, we're just doing so much. Um, I'm going to do something crazy here. I'm going to throw a little sneak peek. So for those of you who are watching live right now, you may have seen a post about this bad, Larry. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, this oh, is man. hot off the presses, people. This, this is our 13-week journal. This is there an is. entire quarter's worth that walks you through how to set goals and crush your goals. And it's awesome. And we're, you know, so Tim and I wrote it. Tim and I are going to be um, uh, QAing it. That's Tim Kelly. And uh, we're going to be doing some uh, quality assurance, running through a couple of iterations, but it's going to be ready really soon. So if you're interested in one, keep an eye on the Facebook group because we're going to have some pretty awesome initial offers because uh, it, it's just a really powerful tool. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited to be here. And I'm excited that Vince is in the Air Force. And I'm excited he's active duty. What's your AFSC, dude? Uh, aircraft maintenance okay, is my right primary, uh, serving as a, a DSD right now as a career mm-hmm. assistance advisor. So kind of like an educator, kind of like a guidance mm-hmm. counselor. Yeah, right on. I'm, I'm a, I'm a 15 W. So I'm a weather guy, nice. weather nerd. That's the symbol. You put your glasses up your face. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who aren't watching, I'm face. putting the glasses up the face. There it is. Uh, <laughs> I'm but starting yeah. to notice a trend here. Like almost the Air Force folks we get are either aircraft maintenance related in some way, shape, or form, or, or were previously. Maybe there's something in the uh, in the water that you guys are drinking, man, that is aligning all you guys towards real estate investing. No, right? no, it, you see, you see, Mike, it's the 15 hour shifts. Uh-huh. <laughs> it makes you realize real quick that you're like, wow, this really sucks. Yeah. <laughs> what can I do? Uh, <laughs> that doesn't suck. That's what it is. Not, Tell me I'm wrong, Vince. So you're not. Yeah. <laughs> My body hurts a lot. My body hurts. Yes. <laughs> For well, real. On that note, perfect segue, Vince. Why don't you tell uh, tell our guests a little bit about your military background and what what really catalyzed you into investing? Maybe it was the shifts, right? Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, I joined 2006. Um, pretty much right out of right out of high school. Actually, I'm a kind of high school dropout. Got my GED join the Air Force when you were allowed to do that back then um, and, and did a couple bases. And then I did the uh, found bigger pockets and did the, the house hack uh, with the VA. So that was my first uh, investment was the VA house hack. Absolutely uh, vital. Yeah, and uh, just a caveat, I'm already caveating. So just, just a caveat <laughs> off that uh, you should be doing the, the VA house hack regardless of all your other investments. Like, in conjunction and parallel to everything, you, no matter what you're doing, the, use your VA, uh, do the house hack, either do what I did was a, a flip or the, uh, the the small multifamily. Anyway, uh, that's what I did. I was at Travis Air Force Base 2009 or 10. I got there, 
I did the house hack the way you, you buy pretty much the, the worst house that the VA will still approve. Um, so you want to get it like ju just above the line that the VA inspector is going to sign it off. You move in and then you, you fix it up while you live there uh, and force appreciation that way. So that's uh, the way I did it. And then there's the other way of uh, buying, you know, small, a duplex or so, or li living one side and renting out the other. Both are awesome. Hey, hey Vince, can I jump in yeah. here? Cause I, I'm just curious, we get a lot of this and, and if you don't know, just say you don't know, because it was a long time ago, we're talking 2009. Can we real quick just run through the numbers on what a yep. VA house hack looks like? Because a lot of people oh, want to know the numbers and, and, and they don't understand, but I think this is a really good opportunity. Got it. So I bought the house. Uh, this was Bay Area, California for geographical reference of how much it costs. So Bay Area, California, 2009, 2010. I bought a single family. It was a two, two. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Two, two. I bought it for one fifty. Uh, I sold it wow. three years later. Uh, no, three and a half years later for like uh, double that price. Wow. I walked, yeah, I walked away with, uh, after everything, after closing costs and everything was 130 that I do remember. So <laughs> I would remember $1. that. I would remember that too. <laughs> yeah, $130,000 off a zero down loan and a bunch of sweat. Equity. And at that time you were what, like an E4 maybe? E5? Yeah. I, I just sold on E5. Yeah. yeah. Walking away with 130,000. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. That's awesome. Yep. So that's how, that's how I got started. Um, that was my, my jump start. And at that time I was going through a lot of transformation in my, my personal life as well, uh, with real estate. Um, cause at, up to this point I was big into, uh, stock investing. So between 2006, uh, and 2000, even up until like 2012, I was, I was big stock investing. Um, just because like most military people, it's accessible to us. You know, we can be deployed, we can be TDY, yeah. and you can you can trade stocks, you can swing trade or, or whatever you do, uh, ETFs, and you can do that from anywhere in the world. So that's what I did. It doesn't matter if I was deployed or not, I could manage my portfolio. So I read all the books, the the Benjamin Graham books, the Warren Buffett books, the Fisher books. I did that. That was my style was the value investing. Um, and then I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, and I was like, wow, that just kind of threw everything out the window and I don't want to <laughs> really about it. So we flipped everything you learned on, it, on yeah. his head. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So then I read, um, found uh, bigger pockets very quickly after that, read all Brandon Turner's books. Um, mm -hmm. you can see them up, wait up here. Yep. So I got them up there, read all those books. Uh, and then I was like, okay, small multifamilies, that's the way to go. Uh, took that 130 and, uh, paid off some debt with it. So we were debt free. And then the rest of it, we pumped into buying uh, about 18 units nice. in uh, like a year. So I bought like a four unit and then another four unit and then some duplexes and right after one right after another over the next uh, about a year and a half, um, we, we built up to 18 units with that 130 grand, just kind of snowballed. It took the cash flow that I was generating and just pumped it back in and more uh, applied it to more down payments. Um, and there that's how go. I got started with the small multifamilies. And that was about 20, um, yeah, so 2014 up to about 20, uh, 2016 or 2018. So, so you started, so you started in 2008, 2009, you bought this house that you did a live and flip, but you didn't really realize those gains until what, 2012. And yeah, then you're saying 14, cause that's when I, 2014 is when you got yeah. the 130,000. Yeah. So, okay. So in, from 2014 to when did you accumulate your 18 units? Um, 
It would have been like a, 18 months later, so 2016. Boom. Boom, everyone listening to this right now. Yeah. It does not take that long, guys. It doesn't. <laughs> if you know what you're doing and then you plan, like someone could be PCS. It's PCS season. It, we're recording this right now. It's, it's freaking almost it. 1 July. It's PCS season. You can go use your VA house act. Now, to be fair, you know, Vince, you bought in California – probably at a low point in the market and you doubled appreciation and like, that's pretty rare. However, that being said, you can still come away with maybe half that amount of capital on a VA house hack and go in and, and buy a quadplex or, or, you know, even, even large commercial, man. Yep. I'm trying to think of the timeline again in my head. I haven't thought about this in a while. So I think it was, yeah, 2012, I bought it, sold it in 2016. And then from 2016 to 2018 is when I bought the 20, uh, the 20 units. That's awesome. And then 2018 is when I jumped into multifamily and went from 20 to 120. So, oh, oh. 20 to 120. Man. <laughs> we're, definitely, we're definitely going to go into that for sure. Um, I want to take it back real quick to, can we talk about some of the challenges you faced while you were buying those 18 units? Absolutely. So I would say challenges that it, depending on which lens you look through them, it was a huge, huge pain in the ass or it was uh, a great opportunity to build a company the right way. I, again, this is, mm-hmm. is going to be very unique to, to military people because we have to look uh, into our portfolios, into the business that we're creating um, through the lens that we're never going to be in the same spot as, as the properties. Even if you buy locally, you're going to PCS in you know, three years, and then what? Then you're going to you're gonna have to start building the systems. So I think if we look through it uh, as the right uh, look through it the right way and start building our company from the ground up of, I'm not going to be here. I'm not going to be hands-on running this place and start building the systems from the start. Yes, it's going to take a lot of work and time up front, but in, in two, three years, you have this machine that's just operating and you can be anywhere. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. Uh, you can be anywhere operating it. And that's how I did it. So I've never actually lived in the same location of any of my properties. I, I started the company um, from day one with me not being there locally. So that was one of the challenges. So having to build, uh, building your accounting systems, your, mm-hmm. your maintenance systems, your property management systems, everything uh, remotely to where you're managing, you know, anywhere from right now I'm 4,000 miles away. Yeah. So 4,000 miles away yeah. from, yeah. And I bet that scares the hell out of a lot of people. And, and that's just one of those things that I think, I mean, Mike and I see it all the time. It just stops people from getting started. Uh, because it's it's natural though. I mean, it's totally natural to go and invest a lot of your money into something and then you want to control it. Like you want to be hands-on, but that's like the, you know, the, the irony of it all is the, the less control you have over it, the more you're going to be able to acquire more properties because you're building the systems that do the things for you. And that's really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. So I think for us, it's a challenge, but at the same time, it's one of our greatest opportunities because you'll see it as when you go to like meetups and stuff, you'll see people that they've been doing it for 10, 20 years and they have a pretty good sized portfolio and they might be 40 years old, they might be 50 years old and they're like, I want to retire, but I can't because I'm the handyman, I'm the property manager, I'm the lawyer, I'm the bookkeeper. And now they're at that like retirement age of like, oh crap, now I have to start building the systems so I can go on a vacation that the, the whole reason I've built this entire portfolio or this, all, you know, all, uh, these real estate investment is to give myself mo- more time and have that financial freedom 
but I'm not, I just created myself another job. So mm-hmm. I see that a lot. And like, that's way worse um, than me now. Like I'd rather put in the work now and just grind it out and build all the systems now. So when I get to that point, I'm just managing the managers, right? I can just, man- you know, through my phone or through my laptop, handle 99% of everything that happens. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That is awesome. And I, I'm, I'm really in awe too, because I love it, right? We have your perspective here and you've had so many years of this experience. Uh, can you take us back to maybe a, a moment when you were just getting started? Like what put you in the mindset that you needed to become, you know, financially successful, right? Like what was that spark? And what do you think were like the first two things that you did to really help get yourself, uh, you know, going and build the foundations that you needed to su- to succeed. Yeah, absolutely. So I have many aha moments. Uh, the first one was, uh, sequestration. Um, that was like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm not guaranteed 20 years pension. That was like, you know, yeah. the DOD come down, like, uh-huh. you know, I get an email, um, saying, Hey, we, we're cutting, you know, whatever, 300 people from your career field and your name's on the list, put your entire career in four bullets and it's going to get bored, boarded in, you know, next month. Are you and for real? Hopefully you make the cut. Are you right? for real? So that oh was, my yeah, God. exactly. So during sequestration, then we did the rollbacks a couple of years later and they were just, you know, forced, either forced retiring, forced retraining for, uh, you know, so that was a huge eye opener because in the air force different than, you know, a lot of other branches, it's, you know, you can do 20 years and that's normal. Um, right. and the, the job security is pretty strong. And then, uh, I found out that it's not as strong as uh, mm-hmm. I thought it was. So that was one of the first aha moments that I need. Cause I, I had a, my first kid at that time. Um, I need to really think about life beyond the military and build those passive streams of income uh, early on. Yeah. Wow. And that's, that's tough too, because in the military, I mean, Mike, Mike, we all know it. Everyone on this call, we're all, we're all in or veterans. Like it's comfortable. Like you get into yeah. your groove, like, it's only uncomfortable right. like when you're PCSing. So like you're PCSing, you're like, ah, I got to move all my crap. And then it's like right. you're in there for like a month in your new job and you're like, okay, I figured it out. And then you just kind of let it go. And then it's like, okay, when am I deploying? When am I going TDY? When am I, you know, whatever. And time can just fly by. And uh, yeah, I mean, but to have that, that would, that would, that would scare me. That yeah. would light a fire under me. Getting, Absolutely. You're getting and paid back to, the first and the 15th of every single month, exactly. right? I mean, as long as you don't mess up, then you're good. But mm-hmm. I mean, to Vince's point though, right? There hasn't been, uh, you know, there have been times when the security of your job in the military is coming into question, such as sequestration, which is so interesting that you bring that up, bro, because I honestly forgot about that. I yeah. remember going through the Naval Academy during that time and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and naps. And I was just like, Oh my God, that was a thing because I remember they canceled funding for like all of our trips, you know, everything was all stopped. Uh, they, they even stopped paying midshipmen like the, the little uh, monthly stipends that we were getting to like it was the wild. ice cream Everything. bar at the academy was canceled they only had vanilla. yeah man all the <laughs> all the fixings were gone all, all the shops and stuff were closed <laughs> down because they couldn't pay anyone like it was wild and so but that makes sense and of course my lens at the time was you know college student you know completely not even understanding how it works in the economics of people's lives Vince, on the other hand, was like, hey, I've got a child right now mm-hmm. and a career that's potentially in jeopardy. How am I going to you know, feed my family in the future? How am I going to move on to this? What happens if I lose this job that I thought 
was going to be stable for me for the rest of my life. That's yeah. crazy, man. That is, that's definitely a good aha moment for sure. Yeah, that was first. So and then your, this second uh, question you had was, what was the first thing I did? And education yeah. is obviously the, I think everybody should start there. Just get the education. Uh, and then the second part would be get around people that are doing this thing. Um, shameless. Plug. <laughs> shameless plug. Uh, <laughs> well, I wrote a book too. It's. Oh, put it up. No, no hey. I'm just joking. It's oh. put it up <laughs> <laughs> aeronautics um, nice <laughs> but uh no no no. so yeah the education is absolutely vital as get get yourself the uh the education and then uh jump in uh and then get around people that are doing the thing uh, you do i think a lot of people get stuck in this thing like uh, I, I need i need to educate i need to educate and you spend more money on education more more money on education but then they get like analysis paralysis and then they have like these limiting beliefs because of the people they're hanging around are still the same people that they were hanging around before, um, which either don't understand real estate or that they have the same limiting beliefs they do. So they're not uh, boosting them up. They're not encouraging yeah. them to go for it or, or to do the thing. So definitely need to get yourself around uh, people that are operating in the investing uh, sphere, either at meetups or, you know, we do virtual meetups now with uh, uh, coronavirus. And I doubt they're going to go away. Uh, I think the virtual meetups is, hugely successful for people to network oh, yeah. for sure. So I don't think that's going away. So yeah, absolutely. Get, get a part of local meetups, virtual meetups, get on some forums. I know bigger pockets. I already plugged that one. Um, it is awesome. It's free. So get around people that are doing this thing and that will help you stick to your goals, keep you accountable and, and push you toward, uh, achieving them. Um, cause that's what I see. Most people fail is they just get in like this education analysis process. Like I'm just waiting for the, the perfect deal or the perfect thing. Like it's, it doesn't exist, Like you got to just jump in and, and figure it out. Yeah. That's and I, it, I think that's, um, Mike, you know, Adam's story, Adam Labar, and he kind of had like the same thing. He was like in this education thing, all on multifamily and, and the, the man's a genius, you know, like you give him a deal and he'll like, he's like an underwriting King, yep. but he went to a conference, like a big multifamily conference. And he was like, people were asking him questions sitting next to him and he was answering all the questions. And then that was his aha moment. He was like, I know this stuff. What am I doing? <laughs> and he told that story to me and I was like, God, that's like, that's brilliant. You know, like you, you've educated yourself to a point where you are now one of the smartest people in the room and you're not on the stage telling the people around, like <laughs> all he needed was a stage and he could have been teaching there. Yeah. Right. And, uh, yeah. I know Adam too. Me and him are both part of uh the same group as well, Wilbur Profit. So mm -hmm. yeah, uh, I know I've had a few calls with him, um, just networking. So power networking. That's I think it's how I met up with with Mike too. Was that introduction? Yep, that's it, man. And you know, it's it's great because you know sometimes it's that network, it's that finding that right person that's maybe like you or you share some kind of common ground, and maybe that's the spark that you need to take the action. So if you guys have been you know, sitting in the backgrounds and the shadows, you've been reading, you've been studying and you feel like you can speak this, you know, even somewhat intelligently, maybe, you know, expanding your network and just bouncing some of those ideas that you have in your head off with somebody else is exactly the spark that you need to go ahead and ignite and take action, man. I love it, man. And, and this is a common theme that goes mm -hmm. around. Guys, if you've noticed, almost every single guest that we have brought here has said the exact same thing. Education, network 
and then taking action to make your dreams happen. Like that's all, that's how it happens. That's how it happens. So exactly. um, awesome. Vince. Thank you yeah. for that, man. And, and so I think, Oh, I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, I, I think, I mean, I, I don't want to speak for you, Mike, but it definitely happened to me. I spent a year and a half of, of what, exactly what you're talking about of just like, mm-hmm. and, and not only was it self-limiting like beliefs, it was when I surrounded myself, when I finally got the, like the, you know, whatever, you know, gall to go and like surround myself with people who are doing really good things. I was like, I don't deserve to be around these people. What have I done? Yeah. And that, that, that hurt me. Yes. That hurt me more than I think. Cause like, I'm the guy, like I'm confident dude. I'm just going to go into the center of the room and act like a fool. But then I saw all these people and they're, you know, like people like Ben. So I got a hundred, I went from 20 units to a hundred units or, you know, Mike with all the Airbnbs and all this stuff. And I was just like, I don't deserve this. And that set me back so far. So if anyone out there is feeling that, know that yeah. you do deserve it and you can do it and you should do it. Yep. It's that, uh, that imposter syndrome. And I, I even have it now. Like I'm, you know, I just wrote an offer, uh, literally 30 minutes ago, $2.2 million. And there's always that thought. I'm like, how, nice, what makes nice. me think that I can, I can write this offer. Like that I'm capable of doing this, even though like, I know my systems are good. My process is good. My underwriting is good. Um, I have what it takes to close this deal and take it down. But it's the same thing like two years ago, like it, w- it wouldn't even be fathomable. Right. That's, that's awesome. Yep. Yeah. You got it. You're right. <laughs> You're absolutely right, man. And so uh, I, I love that. Take us through a little bit of how you went into that transition of multifamily now. Like what, what was yeah. your thought process and how was that first deal? So one of the aha moments, and for me, my, my uh, perspective is a little different. I know a lot of people, they advocate on ju- just going big into multifamily right away. I think it really depends on each person. Uh, for me, yeah. my perspective is most people should buy like a smaller property to like as like the training wheel sandbox property, like the four unit or, or whatever, even like a six unit to make it commercial um, it, because they got to figure out, you know, what their strengths and weaknesses are because people aren't good at everything and they're not bad at everything. So if you buy this, you know, sandbox property that, um, that I call it now is that you can, you can build your systems, get the proof of concept on all your various, uh, processes and systems, but then also, uh, more valuable is figure out what you're really good at and what you absolutely suck at. And then go find a partner that mm-hmm. complements what you either don't like to do or what you just are not good at. Like for me, the, the investor relations, the marketing is not my, not my bag. I'm, I'm, I'm the operator. I like underwriting deals, operating, uh, you know, controlling projects, uh, managing projects. That's what I like to do. So I found partners that are really good at marketing and really understand, you know, like LinkedIn algorithms and, and building funnels and stuff like that. And they like doing it and they're good at it. So let that, let them run that. So back to the property, having the the sandbox property. So you build the systems out and the, the failure of that isn't going to bankrupt you. If you you mess up on a four unit, it'll sting. Uh, and I got some stories for that too, but (laughs) I'm still here. I'm operating. It really didn't set me back. Uh, but it was a lesson learned and I learned it on a small enough scale that now that I'm dealing with multi-million dollar properties, I'm not going to make that same stupid mistake where it's going to cost, cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, for, for the same, you know, mistakes at a different level. So that is, what was your question? <laughs> that answered all of them. No, 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 that answered all of them. No, that's good. 
That was good, man. The aha moment, right? That, that brought moment. you in the family, right? Got it. So I got it. The aha moment for that specific one was I had a four unit and I renovated it, uh, boosted rents up, you know, $150. It looks great. Best, best four unit on the block, uh, handled everything. Financials are, are great. Went to go refinance it out. Uh, appraisal came back and said it's worth um, the same amount to the dollar of what I bought it for uh, two years Dang. earlier. And I'm like, wow. what are you talking Dang. about? Like I pumped, you know, 60 grand into this place. I raised rent. Even if you look at condition approach, if you, if you look at income approach, um, you know, this place is crushing. And they're like, yeah, but it's a four unit. It's residential. So it's comp approach, uh, which is, you know, comparable value. My, my four units worth the same amount as the other four unit on the street, which mm. isn't one. So my, uh, I, he didn't have anything to compare it to. So he's like, there's nothing to compare it to. So it's worth 170,000. So I lost right on paper, $60,000, even though I'll recoup some of that when I sell it, but I wasn't able to do the refinance. Like I, you know, the cash out refinance is part of the birth strategy completely fell apart because it didn't appraise, um, because it didn't have uh, comparable. So that was the, the final straw for me on, uh, and there was a couple other ones, but that was the big one was going from uh, yeah, comp wow. value to the income value approach. When you go to commercial multifamily, I was like, I'll never do a, a residential property again. Um, so that was, that was the yeah. one. And then you just started scaling up from there. Hey guys, Kevin here. And I wanted to take a quick break from the show to fill you in on what's happening behind the scenes at Active Duty Passive Income. Most of you already know that ADPI is not just a podcast. We're a community, a community of real estate and passive income warriors taking action, building wealth, and giving back together. That's why I'm so proud to announce the creation of ADPI's Financial Services Division. With a full range of tailored lending options, our team of pros is ready to provide active duty service members, veterans, and military families just like you all the advice and resources you need to close on your first or next investment opportunity. Click the link in this episode's show notes or simply text DEAL to 33777 to get connected today. Now, let's get back to the show. Yeah, it's it's okay. funny. It's funny you bring that up because I I think I might be in the same boat with. Uh, so I haven't I I haven't done the refi yet, but I just finished doing all the rehabs and we pumped fifty three thousand into this four unit. Um, and you know I I hope it appraises, but COVID I think is going to screw me a little bit. Yeah, um, maybe. So so how did you were you did you have partners on that deal or was it just you? Did were you able to pivot? Yeah. So we ended up doing um. We ended up pivoting mm -hmm. to do a portfolio loan. So I took the the 18 units I had at the time mm -hmm. and wrapped them up into one uh, portfolio loan with the local lender and then took a, a line of credit off of that. So that's how I solved that problem creatively rather than refinancing each property individually. Mm -hmm. I, I found a, a product a portfolio loan that wrapped them all up into one loan and then got a, it was like a $50,000 uh, line of credit off of it because the aggregate of all the equity I have, they were, they were easily able to peel off 50 grand. And I took that and I used that as my down payment on a 52 unit, which was my next deal. Nice. That's okay. really, really That's cool. I love that I love creative that. approach. Can you talk to us just a little bit more about this portfolio loan? Cause I don't, this is not something that we've spoken about in, uh, in the group before. Yeah. So how, yeah, what absolutely. was that yeah. So the uh, one thing I guess would be to know that all banks and credit uh, unions aren't the same. You have to like 
get out the, the Google or the phone book or whatever you have and just call them all because you can't just assume that they offer product or they don't offer product. Cause I was talking to lenders, uh, you know, emailing lenders that didn't even offer commercial loans at all. And I didn't know that. I just like thought banks had, all, they gave money, they lend, they lent money and you just call and, uh, if the property, uh, underwrites for them, they'll give you a loan. But there were, there were a lot of banks I called that didn't even offer commercial loans at all. Like no commercial products they were only residential. Um, so first just ask the question, uh, is do you offer commercial, uh, products? And then the next question would be, do you offer a portfolio loan? So the difference between a portfolio loan and I guess a regular loan is the portfolio loans in house that keep it on the books at the, at the bank or credit union where most loans they turn around and sell, uh, to somebody else like Fannie, Fannie or Freddie or something like that, or, or somebody else. Um, so they, I found lenders and I just called them up and do you offer portfolio loans where we can wrap a couple pro- uh, properties in under one loan product and turn it into a, uh, kind of a commercial loan and took about five banks to find one that offered a product like that. And they, they did, they executed it, um, perfectly exactly what they said they were going to do. And then we turned around. I told them at that time, I was like, look, I'm going to want to access tap into some of the equity, uh, for the next deal that comes up. And he said, uh, absolutely. When, whenever you get that deal under contract, we'll go back and we'll go to the underwriters and see how much we can, uh, tap of the equity in this portfolio loan. And for me, it was around 50 grand that I was able to pull out for the next deal. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really powerful. Um, and that explanation was perfect. You know, that we could talk about the rest of this podcast. We talked about the secondary mortgage market and all this stuff, but essentially the bank keeps it on the books, just like you said. And, um, yeah, that might be something that, that, that I look into, uh, you know, or, or, you know, potentially just renegotiate with my partner on, on some of the terms because, you know, the market does what the market market does. But, uh, yeah, I mean, um, I think, uh, I, I echo what you're saying about the, um, how, how residential properties are appraised and yes, a four unit is still a small multifamily and yes, it's a wonderful product to get or a wonderful property to get into, especially cause you can use your VA loan to get it zero down guys, get a, get a four unit. That's <laughs> unbelievable. Yep. But the income approach to valuation is the bomb. Let's get, can it you talk really real is. quickly? Can you talk just about like what that is, like what the difference between those two is? Uh, the comp and income approach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a comparable value approach is going to be the appraiser is going to go there and they're going to pick, you know, they're going to pick a radius around that property and they're going to look for recent sales. And if there's five recent sales, they're going to go down in each column. They're going to compare them based off of everything like square footage, uh, year it was built, like all the different features, uh, how many beds, how many baths, um, does it have a garage, does it have a pool, all that stuff. And then they're going to aggregate it down and it's going to, create an average for that property and your property will appraise pretty much the average of whatever the three or five or seven, uh, properties they found in that, that area. And that's going to be your, your property value. Um, so that the caution to that is you don't want to over renovate your property because it's only going to ever be worth what the property down the street just sold for. All right. Or, Or very close to it. Um, where the income approach, it goes off of the, uh, the value is based off of the uh, the income that it's producing. So if it's producing uh, whatever three thousand dollars a rent, and they're going to take that and apply a multiplier to it, say like a, a seven cap or something like that, seven capitalization rate, 
which is the prevailing cap rate for that market or whatever. And that multiply or technically divide it is going to give the, the value approach to um, that property, the income approach. So the more money it makes uh, for NOI, net operating income, the higher it's going to be worth. So the game with commercial is boost the NOI, boost the net operating income, and you will directly increase mm-hmm. the value of that property. Yeah. Uh, and, so. and, and the, the economies of scale with multifamily, I love because when you have a four unit, you have exactly that four units. If you have a hundred unit property and you raise the rent $25 per unit, you just added a ton of monthly NOI to your, your, your property and, and to your bottom line, the value of that building just is, is amazing. And like, guys, to raise, raise rent $25 is like, that's like with inflation. That's like not, like you really don't have to like, it's not like you got to do like a, you know, $10,000 rehab to each unit to raise it 25 bucks. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's really powerful. That's yeah. So even good. if you do like uh, $25 boost in NOI on a 20 unit, at a, at a seven cap, it's freaking, I don't know, uh, how many times that by 12, like $80,000 value that you yeah. add on a 20 unit. Nice. So it's, it's just 25 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. 25 bucks a month. And like 25 bucks a month is like, you know, from a, you know, from landlord tenant perspective, it's like the tenant's going to be like, God, this sucks, but am I really going to move all my crap for 25 bucks a month? Like when it, when it comes down to it, we're talking what a hundred or 250 bucks a year. Probably yeah. not. You yeah, really have a, to like, yeah. like, am I going to move all my stuff for, you know, a pet fee? Yeah. Yeah. Pet oh. fee. Exactly. Like probably not. Yeah. Yep. And then another point of that with the, the multifamily versus the single family is when you, your point of scaling is partnering up too. like, if you have uh, enough for a down payment on say a four unit and you get two or three other people that have enough for a down payment on a, a four unit, you guys aren't going to close, you know, an eight or 12 unit. You guys can take down like a 30 unit um, with that, with a scale because of the way that the loan's going to be structured. Uh, and then that, that synergistic effect of, of the team and accumulating uh, more of that down payment. So that's going to be huge. A lot of people don't realize that when you partner up that you're scaling just for a number of units is going to be uh, huge as well. And, and it's yeah. not that hard. It's exponential. That's it, man. That's it. So tell us a little bit now um, about this first deal yours real quick, right? Um, the first multifamily that you had, you know, just give us a down and dirty the numbers and maybe some of the challenges you experienced along the way and getting it locked in. All right. Down and dirty the numbers. Um, it was last year. So let me, let me think for a second. I'll be close to the numbers. I'll, I'll be approximate. Yeah. yeah approximate. approximate. So, yeah. so going, going and I'll, I'll give you perspective. So this was 20, Fall of 2018. So at fall of 2018, I had 20 units. And the limit of my education and my systems and processes were were tapped out. So I wasn't growing anymore. And I knew I was missing something and I didn't know what. But I, I was aware enough that like I I'm missing something here. I should be growing and I seem to be tapped out. More of my time and resources are being taken up by these 20 units. Uh, so that's when I went back to the education side, got more education, realized that all the things I was doing wrong or could be doing better. Um, so education is not like a one and done thing. It's constant, constantly be bettering yourself and expanding. Um, 
you know, I'm sure all, every successful person you, you talk to is going to say the same thing. Never stop learning and bettering yourself. Never stop learning. So, mm-hmm. Yep. So that's what, uh, so that's what I did. I realized that my, my business could be better, uh, in order to grow. Went back, got some more education, fall of 2018. By January 2019, I was in contract on a 52 unit um, property portfolio. And we closed that one very creatively. So at the time, it was a eight unit, a 12 unit, and a 32 unit. I didn't have the credibility with the brokers to take down a 52 unit. Yeah, I had 20 units but they're all residential. So I, I had some credibility, but it, you know, the broker's like, who's this guy? He's not gonna be able to take this down. Right. So what I did was I uh, got my team at the time. I had no team. So I formed a team, leveraged their credibility, their net worth, their liquidity, uh, liquidity, uh, and their experience. Another uh, thing that you're going to get with commercial multifamily that you really don't get with single family is now as a team, we were pretty strong and they were still a little hesitant because we were out of state. We're military or half of us are military. So we're out of state and they were like, oh, can you take it down? So this is how I did it. So as a show of confidence, I bought the eight unit cash. So $246,000 I dropped. I was like, I'll buy your eight unit cash to show you how serious we are and show you how we can take this deal down, this 52 unit. And once we t- take over the eight unit, then we'll start on the the rest of the properties the the uh, in that portfolio in that town was a 12 unit, a 32 unit. Um. And they're like, sure, let, let's try it. Like kind of, and like, okay, let's do it. And close it. And we bought the eight unit like a week later, Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, 246 cash. Then we did our due diligence uh, on the rest of the properties. Everything was good. We had to go back um, and and uh, retrade a couple things that were, were found during due diligence that uh, happens. So you just get used to it. Uh, and then once we were ready to close on that, what we did with the bank, and this again, be uh, be sure that the bank is going to be on board with your your business plan and your strategy uh, because they will help you out. And what I did was same bank that gave me the portfolio loan uh, before. I was like, here's this crazy idea I have. You know, what do you think? He's like, it's awesome. So we took the eight unit and we cross collateralized it and used that as the down payment on the rest of the properties. So when nice. we okay, because yeah, so you bought it cash. Yeah. Yes. So we, when we closed on the rest of the 32 and the 12, um, we came out of pocket like maybe a thousand dollars or something like that at the final like closing table. Uh, oh. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Cause we already put the money in, you know, on the, on the eight unit. So right. we, we were able to now, close. now the 246 cash that came from you and your partners, you kind of pulled something together and boom, let's go. Yep. Yeah. So okay. we already had that. So we pulled that together, just us four. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we bought that. And then we cross collateralized it as the rest of the property. And at the end of it, uh, when the dust settled, we had uh, 52 units in this one town wrapped up. Uh, and that was the start of uh, Tri City Equity Group, the, the company. Outstanding, brother. That's awesome. That is, that is so impressive. Cool. I love it. That's a crazy story. And, and what I love about that is that it was creative in nature, right? You guys came together, you didn't quit. You didn't, you didn't, you know, say, all right, well, you know, maybe well, they we said, just, I don't have experience. So so we just gotta, you know, you know, we, we have to pass on and move on to the next deal. No, you were like, okay, how can we creatively get this done? And guys, you'll find that even that is a common theme when it comes to getting deals done, you know, especially in the multifamily world, it's not one dimensional, right? 
You, mm-hmm. you can't, you don't have to just go to the bank and then say, Hey, can I get a loan for this full amount? No, sometimes you can, you know, figure out ways to make things work and, and get creative with it. And Vince has completely just done that, man. I love that. But that, that's awesome. That yeah, is phenomenal. Absolutely. And, and, uh, and you said it right there. If, if nobody caught that, it's, uh, you ask how mm-hmm. instead of why not? That's mm-hmm. if you can do one thing on any form of line of questioning that you do, especially in this game is how can it be done? Uh, because yes. your brain will automatically, you know, work to you just think. flip that switch. Yeah. yeah. Flip the switch and start thinking creatively because otherwise yes. you're going to go into that limited belief mode of like, oh, I can't do this or we mm-hmm. can't do this or it can't be done. If you say, well, you know, if there was no barriers whatsoever, how could we do this? Uh, and then you, you start figuring out and then random person like my, my loan originator was all on board with this crazy idea. I thought he would have shut down immediately. He's like, yeah, let's do it. Like, right. done. Yeah. And we ended up getting a higher LTV than we would have if we would have just went in as a straight sale uh, and put um, that's you know, awesome. 25% down. Yeah. So it went crazy. Out. Yeah. And that's, that's, a, that's a rich dad, poor dadism, right? Ask how, right? I mean, that mm-hmm. was one of the biggest things I took away from that book is that, you know, a lot of the families in these, you know, more wealthy, you know, type structures, they, they, they get creative in their thinking at a young age. And I feel like that is one thing that's not taught enough, right? It's that critical thinking at a very young age. Don't say, you know, you can't, you know, money doesn't grow on trees, so we can't, you know, buy this thing for you. I say, no, how can you afford that, right? That's a mm-hmm. good teaching moment, right? Think about what are the things you can do. Maybe you need to start a lemonade stand, right? Maybe you need to get, I was talking to my wife about this the other day. <laughs> I was telling her, you know, one of the things I wish I would have done as a kid, I thought about doing it, but I never did it, right? I wish I had gone to the grocery store, bought a bunch of hot dogs, you know, created like a little tin thing, maybe got some coals and like wheeled it up to the Van Cortlandt Park in the summers and started selling hot dogs for like a dollar, dollar twenty-five. You know what I mean? Something cool like that. But you know, I mean, you just get creative, guys. I mean, bro, there's, there's still time. There's still time. Dude, I'm not selling hot dogs in Honolulu. Come on. Come on. Mike's Honolulu hot dog stand. Let's go. Let's go. I am good. I'll buy one. Yeah. Pop that in the mail, bro. I get it. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, uh, Vince, I love, I also love what you said about that partnership, man. Like, it was earlier in the the episode, if, if anyone missed it, um, Vince alluded to, and he may have actually said this, but don't focus on your weaknesses. Like when you're growing up and stuff and like they try to tell you like, oh, you should be well-rounded. So like if you're weak in one area, really study on that and like get better in that one area. But in the real estate game, don't focus on your weaknesses, focus on your strengths. If you're strong, like Vince is like, I'm an operator and I like to underwrite and I like the numbers. I'm not so much a marketer and like a, a capital raiser. So don't do that. Find someone who can. That's like that's building teams. So there's like kind of two teams that you want to build. Like when we talk about teams in the single family and in operation Adam, um, you know, we say like, Oh, you should build You should build out, you know, your, your agent, your lender and your lawyer and all of that stuff. But in this, you want to build you, like everyone's a professional on the multifamily side. So you want to build a team that is, um, you know, like, that, that really focuses on the strengths that you don't have. And then you put together and you have this like, superhero power squadron thing and you just crush it but that, that's it's just super powerful i think one of the one of the things that helps with that is coming from the, the military we kind of have a a scarcity mindset on a lot of things um because 
there's just look at like promotions. Like there's only so many, whatever next stripe or something to, to go around. So we, we tend to hold our cards very close to our chest and, and that's just how we come up. It, when you're in the real estate uh, world, it's very much an abundance mindset is there's so and it's very refreshing. So many people are willing to help you with, with really nothing in return. And you will notice that too, is the, the more people you help, the more reach things that you reach out and do uh, for other people, it'll just be reciprocated to you in some way. So I think that's something, especially for the military side of it is to, is to get out of that, that scarcity mindset of, I need to do everything. I need to control everything. And, uh, you know, your, your success is, is somehow going to be, you know, taken from me. Uh, it's not really that way in real estate. Um, there, there's more than enough, uh, success to go around and people really want to help you, um, in this, in this game. Love it, man. Absolutely love that, dude. So Vince, uh, this has been a phenomenally valuable episode, man. We're getting close to time. I got, we got four questions for you. Um, what is your favorite book? All right. So I have many, uh, but the one that I'm yeah, going to mention, I can see. Yeah. Yeah. So the one I'm, the one I'm going to mention right now, um, is never split the difference, uh, by Chris Voss. And it's not a, a very riveting read, I, I guess. Um, but if we're talking pound for pound or dollar for dollar, that book has, uh, made me, um, easily $150,000 just in the last uh, 13, 14 months, uh, on being able to negotiate effectively, uh, nice. when, when you're in high stakes, you know, situations, um, being, being able to, you know, and have the cards land, you know, wherever they do, but, uh, being able to really get your top priorities, uh, going into real estate negotiations. So that, that's probably my, my favorite book in the last two or three years that I've read. Yeah. No, right. and, and the audio book on that, because his voice right is so powerful. Oh, yeah, I see it right there. Yeah, the yellow one. Yeah, his vo- his voice is so powerful because that's what he did. He was a hostage negotiator. And like, it, it, I, I mean, I love reading, but this is one of those books where I'm almost like, y'all should get the audio book because <laughs> it's, it's good. Oh, uh, it yeah. yeah. And then and then uh, just to segue, the, the power of uh, mentorships and having um, uh, groups, accountability groups and, and coaching. So my coach was able to like, when you're dealing with people that have like the clout, right. To get like, you guys had Robert Kiyosaki on like, that's awesome. Right. So to have, to have that, that clout to pull in. So I actually was able to get, uh, like a Chris Voss, like coaching call with us, uh, with me and like, uh, I think it was like eight of us on the call while I was in the middle of the due, uh, due diligence and underwriting. And, my, my mentor was like, Hey, Chris, you know, Vince is in the middle of a deal right now. And I, you know, he called me yesterday and he had some problems with, with something that came up and you want to give him some tips. And I had like a 20 minute, like one-on-one with, with Chris Voss. So not just the, the wow. books of it, but like just the power of having like coaches, mentorship groups and, and all that stuff. Like, it's not just, uh, you know, the, the, the gurus out there and everything that like you find a good one and they're really going to take you to the next level and really push you uh, to be better and really succeed. That's awesome. That was a great answer. I love that. Yeah. I could talk about that for hour, for hours, uh, but we got to move on to question number two. And that is uh, who is your biggest hero and why? 
Uh, okay, so again, I have a lot of a lot of heroes. Um, I think the one I wrote in the the thing was um, Neil Armstrong. Uh, never met him, but uh, I read his bio a couple years back, and I was really surprised of the life he lived before the whole you know moon landing thing. Uh, just just what he did at such an early age and his uh, focus on everything uh, that he applied to everything he did. Uh, mm-hmm. was really astounding. You know, he's 20 years old. They pulled him out of college to go fly uh, using like um, like Academy or something like that or RTC. And they pulled him out, commissioned him and, and sent him to like, uh, I, I think it was like Korean War or something like that in a fighter jet at like 20 years old. And he crushed it. And I'm like, and then, the, so his life was like a whole bunch of series of events that were like that. Like he was just put in situations gave, you know, 100% focus, very reserved, very intentional, thought everything out. Um, and yeah, just lived, lived an awesome life. Uh, so he was just one. Um, but yeah, I can go on for that too, <laughs> for a long time. No, no, that's great, dude. That's awesome. Love it. Love it. Love it. Question number three, uh, what do you like to do for fun? Yes. So real estate is pretty much my hobby. <laughs> we we got to change this question. Okay. Besides real estate, what do you like to do for fun? <laughs> so, uh, when You're we, in Hawaii, man. Don't yeah, be saying right. real estate is the only thing you do for fun. So, <laughs> one, thing unique, one thing unique about me is uh, I one of my bucket list items was to get my pilot's license. So I'm not a pilot in the Air Force, uh, but it was still my, my That's bucket awesome. list item. So I went out, got my pilot's license. I bought a plane. And now uh, I fly it to the other islands um, for fun. So that's that sounds rough. Yeah, yeah. It, it, <laughs> dude, that is so cool, man. I want to learn how to fly a helicopter. That's like on my bucket list. I don't know what I would do with the helicopter. Yeah, helicopter <laughs> seems a lot harder to fly than. I a, think it does. Yeah, but um, <laughs> but yeah, that that is one of my hobbies is to go you know to other islands and stuff like that, or just fly in general. That's really that's cool, man. man. That Love is it. so cool. Still got, I'm still gonna take you up on that flight, bro. By yeah, the way. you guys are together. Why don't you like island hopping right now, dude? Uh, COVID. Uh, oh yeah, that's. Probably- <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. The uh, global on, pandemic. There's also, yeah, there's <laughs> also Debbie, that going. Debbie Downer over here. Gosh. <laughs> I've been thinking about it, but I don't want to land in like you know Kauai, and all of a sudden they're like, okay, you're, oh, you're get leave for 14 days, and I'm like, uh, I got to work tomorrow. Like. <laughs> Exactly. But but uh, plus, you could probably do the your own aircraft maintenance. Uh, I do some of it, yeah. So I do I do some of it, and then hire out all the important things. So the important thing, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. uh, yeah. That's that's probably that's probably the way to do it. All right, uh, Vince. Question number four: If you had three nuggets to drop on maybe someone who's just getting started, maybe that's this person was when we talked about the early early part of the episode where they're just been doing all this education, 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 but they're not really moving forward. Uh, what, what would those three nuggets be? All right. I'm going to write them down. So I don't forget. Uh, all right. So I get sidetracked very easily if you haven't noticed. Uh, so the first <laughs> one, like I mentioned uh, before was partner sooner. You do not need to figure this out on your own. You don't need to hold all of the control. You will grow so much faster and it'll be so much less stressful if you find good partners, uh, and what but I mean good partner is not just the person that's closest with you and definitely not the person that's just going to write the check. Mm-hmm. You want to find partners that have the same, you know, morals, ethics, and values that you do, the same timelines that you, that you do, uh, the same goals that you do. That's the kind of partner that you want to get, not just somebody that's 
willing to to write you a check or that's, you know, Hey, they're my buddy. And you know, we like hanging out with each other. Probably right. not the, the best basis to build the partners. Uh, so forming a good partnership and going into it uh, smart and intentionally uh, is one of the uh, best things you can do. Um, the sooner you do that, the faster you will grow and reach your goals together. Uh, for example, yeah, I went from 20, 20 units to 120 units in, in a year just from partnerships. Uh, I'll attribute that to the, the biggest factor there. Um, the next one is, uh, I like to say, burn the ship. Um, and we, we talked about that too, the analysis paralysis that people get into or they, they get into this excuse mindset of all the reasons why they mm. can't do something. Um, you just have to jump off the ship and burn it uh, so there's no going back. And that's the, that's my mentality of it is I'm going to, I'm going to burn the ship behind me. So I have to succeed because otherwise I'm going to drown here. So <laughs> I have to I jump off the ship, swim to, uh, there's a story behind that. I don't remember um, something to do with Rome. I, I love think. the anti-Navy reference. So let's, yeah. let's keep that going. I think, I think <laughs> there's some like, uh, you know, grease, you know, whatever tail or something like that with burning <laughs> the ships, but I don't know. It's a good, it's a good uh, analogy of burn the ship and uh, that way you, you have to take action. Um, so that's the, the mindset I go into things. And the third one uh, would be definitely on the goal settings. And you talked about this earlier um, about why people don't succeed or, or why they, uh, they, they come up with excuses is to me, the biggest reason I think is they don't have a strong enough why. So, when I coach people on this and, and, and kind of do some mentoring is you need to sit down and you can write your goals, whatever they are. Um, then, then make them bigger. Cause you're probably not thinking big enough for yourself in the first place, but, uh, we can go down that road too, but set, write your goals down and then attach a why to it. That is so strong that failure and inaction is not an option. And for me, what's that? Yeah, I was saying not an option. I love it. Yeah, yeah, it's not an option. And, then, and for me, that's what that's what it was. Was yeah, this going into real estate, going into investing four thousand miles away, and putting all my money into this this one pot is that sounds scary. But the thought of me not being able to provide for my family mm-hmm. is more more intense and scarier than anything else. Uh, so. That yeah. you know, that was one of my whys was you know I'm going to go all into this thing because you know making excuses and and taking no action is not it's just not an option. So that that's usually what I see wrong with when people fail to achieve their goals and come up with excuses that they don't have a strong enough why. Because if you have a strong enough why, then you don't have an excuse. You're going to figure it out. Yeah, I love that, dude. That that's super powerful and and probably the most overlooked thing, honestly. Like pe- people get focused all on the money and the, the high life and, you know, doing all that stuff, but there's no, like, what are you doing this for? You know, like why? And, and you'll, I'm confident. And I know Vince, you know, this and Mike, you know, this, that if you can figure this out before you start your journey, not yep. only are you going to achieve your goals faster, yep. you're going to be more successful than you even thought you could be. And you're going to be able to partner with people who also share that same why. And you're going to be able to combine forces and build that power team so much faster because when you're looking for a partner, those people, when you're looking for partners, they're going to, they're going to ask you, what's your why? And if your first, if your response is, uh, they're going to be like, pass. And Mm -hmm. you know, it's just, it's just a testament. That's it. 
Vince, I'm proud of you, brother. I'm very proud of you, man. Like I, I gotta say, I'm, I'm not, not again, not many people like impress me, right? Just like that. And we had lunch that one day. And I think I told you that, man. Like it is, it's phenomenal to see what you've accomplished, you know, over this time. And like, uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm at awe, right? Because you know, you get that complex sometimes, and people are like, "Oh, well, I'm enlisted, and I can't, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't deserve success, or I'm never going to see it unless I become an officer or I become a senior enlisted." Blah blah blah. Like, no, you can just be like Vince, not make the excuse, and freaking crush it, right? That's yep. it. That's it. And and you've done that, dude. So I, I love it, man. Hats off to you, brother. Uh, best of luck and success with what you got going on. Please let us know um, a little bit more about what you got going on. I, I want to give you a moment to plug Honolulu Multifamily and more, man, because that's a, I love how they're giving back too, right? You've taken it from the step of taking action, networking, right? Educating yourself. Now you're taking it that step and you're handing the torch off to other people. And I love it. It's phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. So Honolulu Multifamily More, uh, my friend uh, Jamie Gruber started this group, the Multifamily this hand, Multifamily More group uh, over in Michigan. He since branched out to you know a bunch of chapters, things up to like twenty something chapters now. Uh, we do the Honolulu chapter, and uh, we love it. The, what was attracted to me because if you ever been to any um, a lot of the RIAs, they get very pitchy. Uh, you know, they'll bring in some kind of guest speaker, and then you pay twenty dollars, and they pitch you a thing. And it's a huge turnoff for me when I was going to them. Uh, so Jamie really zoned in on that, that need for having like a no pitch uh, environment where people are just there to provide value and to learn. Uh, and that's what he created. That's what it, uh, attracted me to the group at, to go as a member and then to ask if I can run one of the chapters for him out here. Uh, so that's what we do. So if you're in Honolulu um, or not, because we're virtual most, mostly now, so, uh, yeah. you can find us, uh, Honolulu multifamily and more, um, again, we'll, we'll provide tons of value to you without pitching you anything. Um, and if you have value, just come bring it. And, and it goes off of the, if anybody has read the go giver, uh, mm-hmm. about that abund- uh, abundance reciprocity, uh, laws, that's what his, uh, foundation was uh, for starting the organization. So that is part of the, uh, the core values of the, of the group is to give and not expect, you know, anything in return or, or to think about, you know, what you're getting out of it. That's so it's absolute great organization. Love it, man. Love it. Well, Vince, thanks again so much. Really appreciate, uh, appreciate your time man. it's been a phenomenal show and, uh, definitely, like I said, hats off to you, best of luck and success. And, uh, I'll definitely see you later on. Yeah. 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 I'll see you Vince. Thanks for coming on, man. All right. Thanks for having us. Outstanding. That was an awesome episode. Thanks so much to our special guests and thanks to you for listening. If you haven't hit the subscribe button yet, make sure you go and do that or schedule a call with us by texting ADPI to 444-999 or checking out our website at www.activedutypassiveincome.com to find out how you can get started on your financial freedom journey today. I'll see you guys next week.